who among us doesn't enjoy a good mystery? And especially when solving it means that I get to bring out my competitive side, even if it's just me against the clock, I just can't wait to uncover all the secrets. So June's Journey is a game that is completely up my alley, and I think you'll love it too. In June's Journey, a hidden object mystery game, you play as June Parker, who's on a quest to solve her sister's murder and uncover her family's many secrets. Each chapter brings you deeper into the story, and it's set in the Roaring Twenties, so beyond uncovering clues, you get to experience the glitz and glamour of the time. June's Journey is definitely not a game I play mindlessly, which I love because I get genuinely invested and a lot of it is a race against time, so there's a little fun added pressure of trying to find the clues as quickly as you can in each scene. There are also tons of ways to customize the island that you're on, learn more about the characters, and then new chapters are added weekly, so you really can't run out of things to explore. So if you think you're up to solve this case, download June's Journey for free today on iOS or Android or play on PC through Facebook games. June needs your help, detective. Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. This is Steve Downs, the voice of Master Chief, Sierra 117, and you're listening to Podcast Unlocked, the world's number one Xbox podcast. Now, finish this fight. Master Chief, out. Welcome, friends. It's Podcast Unlocked, episode 483 of IGN's weekly Xbox show. It's February 23rd of 2021. Ryan McCaffrey joined, as always, by Miranda Sanchez. Hi, hello. We're both like earbuds pals this week. Yeah, I couldn't do the cans anymore. I just, I think, like, I already have this horrible head and face that, like, the giant headphones, it's like, no, I can't, so... Uh, these are Astros. They're like little Astro makes some nice in-ear ones. So I thought, uh, thought that's the way I would go. How about you? What do you up? What do you got rocking over there? Uh, these are the cheapo Sony like fifteen or twenty dollar ones that they sell. Uh, very easy to replace. Yeah. I love them. I have actually had these for years. So nice. Uh, I just needed a break from the cans because they sit on my jaw in a weird way and it hurts. Yeah, can't beat that. Cam Hawkins, good to see you. Good to see you guys. How, how's everyone doing? Well, I know uh, you're reeling a little bit because Gears of War on their official account yesterday tweezed. Yeah. Twe- no, they don't. <laughs> that's not what they did. They didn't tweeze. They teased on Twitter. That's how. That's why my brain did that. Uh, what turned out to be Operation Six for Gears Five, but they did it, Cam, in a way that I think was cruel to Gears Two super fans like yourselves, uh, yeah. like yourself, where. <laughs> they they showed like a close up of what looked almost exactly like the the gears two box art a portion of it. Yeah, yep. The way Marcus holds the gears, um, and it, the cog tags, it hurts. yeah, the cog tags, yeah, yep. It was uh, very disappointing. Uh, yeah, Gears two, one of my favorite games uh, of all time, and I think the best Gears game that so like still to this day. And uh, but you know maybe one day, maybe one day. What is it about two, real quick, before I get to... I'll yeah. say hi to Brandon Tyrell first, because I don't want hi. him to feel bad. Hi, Brandon. <laughs> just, 
Uh, just personally, I think the campaign is super memorable. Uh, a lot of incredible moments, just like going through, like going through the worm, and like I remember just like the corpses are coming out of the wall. It's when you're in the tank, and everything that happens with Ty, everything that happens with Maria is just like it's. I don't know. It's just uh, one of the, in my opinion, one of the most like memorable like uh, shooter campaigns from a from a narrative standpoint. And uh, I think that it's. I don't know. I just. I think it. It's one of those things that Gears of War, I feel like, gets a bad rap because it's just like all big muscle man right. dudes, like, you know, meatheads uh, type ex- like uh, criticisms. But I that's I think is just one of the mo- most impactful campaigns, like from a shooter and from an emotional standpoint that I've ever played. And so I would really like any excuse to uh, go back and, and play that campaign again. Like I, I, I might I've considered uh, playing through all the Gears campaigns in uh uh, right now anyway after i'm done with halo but uh like if if they just did a, a fresh new coat of paint on that campaign specifically would it would just be great see it's yeah it's interesting i I like gears is i agree with you number one and i know miranda does too about it being it just it deserves way more credit than it gets from a narrative perspective and i even feel like secondary uh, or sort of in addition to that i feel like the coalition not quite to the degree that 343 got kind of immediately crapped on by the community because they weren't the developer before, you know, they weren't Epic, they weren't Bungie. But I feel like four and five have really carried that emotional weight and that story really well too. But but what's interesting is see, I'm, I agree with you there, but this is why I love talking about video games because for me, I, I actually like Gears 2 the least campaign wise. Wow. It was never, wow. I hated the, I think the worm thing is one of the worst design like i i don't think it's good i think it's bad i think the maria part what? was like okay, was Cam? really <laughs> underwhelming <laughs> oh the, my god i spend a game it. and a half and then the maria thing is just like i don't mean i guess i'm not gonna bother ruining it for anybody that may have may not have played it but <laughs> it's, it's like just funny 15 how it's, years old i think it's okay i know yeah, but it's still like yeah i think it's just a very mem- i don't know i loved the worm i was just like yeah it, it just, i don't know it's just like it felt like a giant cool set piece for that campaign yeah. um and yeah, I think again, like a lot of really powerful uh, story points from an emotional standpoint. But it's kind of like it's like Mass Effect, right? Because you you know, in the sense that you are invested in these characters, and then there's that Mass Effect debate where some people like one, and some people, I mean, most people like them all, but they their favorite is either one or two. Yeah. And then with Gears, or three, you know, if you're me, <laughs> or which one, Miranda? Three. Or three. Mass Effect three or Gears three. Mass Effect three. Mass Effect three. See, and, and, but that's defensible, right? Like there's, mm-hmm. I mean, sure, you know, everybody talks about the end, but I always like to say the run up, like the part right before that final choice in Mass Effect, yeah. where you're, I, I guess I, again, won't ruin it out of respect to maybe a, a new generation of players that, that are going to be playing it for the first time with the remaster, but everything up, what you're doing up until that point is really good. Right. Yeah, I agree. No, I yeah, I think all the Mass Effects are like nine out of ten games at their worst. You know what I mean? Yeah. But there's just certain like you know, I think Mass Effect three just specifically that ending, um, you know, uh, affect a lot of people. But I think the game overall was was really really good still. But uh, anyway, so yeah, to close the point on <laughs> Gears two, we are not getting a Gears two definitive edition, uh, with the, the teaser that went on social yesterday. It is Operation six for Gears five, even though. The art they used to tease it looked exactly like a key portion of the Gears of War 2 box art. I thought maybe 
there'd be FPS boost for Gears 2, like yeah. to, but which we're gonna talk about FPS boost here in a few minutes. Um, but actually, real quick before we do, programming note for everybody. Uh, so we're making some YouTube changes to IGN, trying to we're shuffling, we're starting some new channels, trying to trying to make it so that the re the main IGN channel isn't like just this overwhelming avalanche of stuff at all times. So you've got we've got our unlock channel, but we're going to be asking you here very soon in the next couple of weeks to subscribe to a new IGN games channel where all the podcast shows are going to live. You don't have to watch the ones you don't want to watch, but that's going to be the feed, which is kind of not unlike a few years ago, or for many years, we had the IGN games audio podcast feed, which I know a lot of people, I've seen the numbers, a lot of people like to subscribe to that where it would just feed you all of our podcasts. Well, think of this as kind of a video version of that. So uh, I'll have super specific details and messaging on that in another one or two shows from now. But stay tuned. Just gear up for that. If you're already used to watching us on the IGN Unlock channel, we are going to be moving. So more on that soon. All right. Uh, now, what I teased a minute ago, FPS boost. Miranda. What is going on? The backwards compatibility team strikes again with their awesomeness. Yeah, so select games, um, including this first wave, we're getting Far Cry 4, New Super Lucky's Tale, Sniper Elite 4, UFC 4, and Watch Dogs 2. A lot of multiples of twos uh, <laughs> are getting uh, some nice little boosts. So it goes to 128 frames per second. So it's just like a nice little enhancement performance thing for um, us next-gen owners. So. I think it's really cool to see that they are investing more in backwards compatibility. It's not just about being able to play your old games. It's about to be playing them with, you know, enhancements. And it's just like, hey, these are not our games, but we're going to make them better for you anyway. Um, and I think you can definitely see that in some of the older games. You'll see the frames just feel a little bit different. Like there's, I think I especially see that when I go back to the really old games, maybe not so much for these select, selection of games, but I think just really nice to have that. Yeah. So. Uh, yeah, Fuzzy said Far Cry 4, Sniper Elite 4, UFC 4, and Watch Dogs 2 all going up from 30 to 60 frames. And you mentioned New Super Lucky's Tale going to 120 frames. Yes. Uh, Brandon, are any of these, does it make you want to bust out and replay any of these or dip back into any of them? Oh, man. I mean, with the backlog right now, it's hard to, <laughs> it's, a, it's a hard ask, but uh, I never actually finished Watch Dogs 2, so I'm a little interested in that, but... I just love the quality of life stuff that they're doing here. Yeah. Um, I mean, this is likely the first wave. We'll probably see more, and maybe there's something that really strikes home for me. Um, but it, it's cool. It's cool to see it. Like, I, I think video games, more than any other medium, like don't age as well. Uh, you know, a, sure. a good book is going to be the same book, you know, the day it was written as the day you pick it up, right? Uh, movies age better because it's more of a passive experience, but games being interactive, I think the quality of life improvements to keep those stories relevant in a way that we're uh, used to playing now, 60 frames, you know, the better tech running it. I, I think it's a great effort and kudos to Microsoft for it. Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned Watch Dogs too, because I think that that seems like the one out of this initial list that mm -hmm. might be the most noticeable. I mean, I know Super Lucky's Tales going up to 120, but the, the reason I mentioned Watch Dogs 2, or that you mentioned Watch Dogs 2, I think, is uh, that it's open world games. Because we're so yeah. used to seeing those at 30 because of just sheer technical limitations on the consoles up until now. And so it's really cool to see an open world game running. It's like it really does make a difference when you're just in this huge open space. 
and it's running that smoothly. Another it's nice thing too, sorry, really quickly, just yeah. um, that you can toggle this feature as well. So you don't have to have it on if you don't want it on. Go ahead. I think Brandon, you were jumping in. Oh, as well. I, was just, I, I was just going to anecdotally say like Watch Dogs 2 doesn't feel that old to me. <laughs> oh, oh, no. <laughs> yeah. You, you know, what is it? Three, so, three, four years old at the most? Think, it's, yeah, it's I not that old. So. 20, yeah. yeah, like 2017, 2018, maybe. Yeah. No, it's not 2018. It definitely came out before then. But still, later, the later part of the Xbox uh, yeah. One generation. So not not an old game getting a nice boost there. Um, it, it, yeah, it just goes to, again, like, this was not expected of any, like, that's that's the best part of this, I think, is it's purely a present that, that Microsoft just got all of the Xbox Series X and S owners and just said, here. And we all said, is it my birthday? And they said, no. Just, I got you a present. Open it. And it's better. It's games that run better. So um, there was no expectation for this. There's no precedent for this. Uh, I, I just think that, I mean, they've gotten, the backwards compatibility team has gotten credit. We've done our best to call it out and praise it when it's when these uh, things pop up. But I just don't think they get enough. I think they just still deserve even more credit. <laughs> this is this work that they're doing. I mean, they arguably, if you look at, uh, just look at the competition, Nintendo does backwards compatibility extensively. They rely on their classic back catalog, but it's probably 90 plus percent of the time, it's always monetized. You know, I, right. I can't tell you how many times I've rebought the the classic mm. Super Mario Brothers games at this point. Like it's always monetized. You, you, I feel like you almost never get any sort of forward compatibility, backward compatibility for free out of Nintendo. Not, yeah, not since the handheld days when I think they were really aggressive about that with all the Game Boys. That's true. Um, That's a good that, point. That was yes. really great up until through the DSi. And then after that, it stopped being as yeah. good, even though you could do like DS and 3DS, but then eventually had a loose of cartridges. Yes, thank you for that. That's a good, your memory is better than, I, than mine on that one. <laughs> uh, and then Sony, like they're, they're, they're getting there. They're doing some good stuff. But I mean, I think it's very fair to say that Microsoft is dragging Sony kicking and screaming into, into the, uh, uh, the backwards compatibility era. Um, I'm not sure, you know, that Sony would have, would have really volunteered to do, to do much without Microsoft setting the standard on that. So kudos to the backward compatibility team at Microsoft. They continue to do awesome work. Hey, Brandon Tyrell. Hey, what's up? Hey, you like Diablo just like I like Diablo. Let's be friends. Ooh. Is there Diablo news, Ryan McCaffrey? Diablo. Would you would you please tell me what I've been waiting to hear for months, if not years? <laughs> I was trying to think of something funny like Bruce Springsteen throwing out the first pitch of a Cardinals game or something like that. Why he eats a slice of Tony's pizza, but uh, more but to that the also point, sounds fantastic, by the way. Right. More to the point, uh, it happened, finally. Uh, not even death can save you from me. Diablo 2 Resurrected was officially announced uh, during BlizzCon line at the opening ceremony on Friday. Um, kind of, you know, the worst kept secret. We knew it was going to happen. We yeah. didn't know when it was going to happen. Uh, but it is a long time coming. Uh, I know lots of folks love Diablo 2, uh, Ryan included as one of probably the pinnacle of the series for them. Um, yeah. You know, Diablo 3 changed a little bit of the format. So 
what's really exciting for me is like just watching the side by side footage. <laughs> I forgot yes. how bad that game looks, you know, by today's <laughs> well, just standards. Old. Yeah. Uh-huh. yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> old, bad, you know. It looked great uh, at the time. For sure, yeah, it absolutely did. But uh, just seeing the the sort of remake elements that they brought to it, and what I'm really stupidly excited because I'm a big lore nerd, um, especially for like uh, you know gothic fantasy, high fantasy. Uh, all of the cinematics are going to be redone, but I think they're keeping the voice actors' performances. So yeah, and shot you're gonna shot for shot remake of them too. So they'll just be exact, but you know, look modern and new. Yeah, I can't wait to hear Marius just whine and cry for like <laughs> twelve hours. It's so good. I'm I'm very very much looking forward to this. Um, Ryan, why don't you chime in? Because there's other Diablo news too that we can savor later. Well, hold on. I want to savor this first. This is <laughs> this is so good. No, 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 no I, yeah. Chime in on this one before we move on. Yeah, I mean, uh, it's this. I, I said this, and you all laughed at me uh, when we, the last time we talked about this. I think it was when the when Vicarious Visions, the primary developer behind this, got folded into Blizzard to lead this effort. And I was saying that this could be, you know, not the thing I vote for necessarily at the end of the year, but this could be my personal game of the year. And uh, you mentioned that you liked seeing the the sort of back and forth elements uh, from the old to the new, Brandon, in the, in the trailer. And I, I will say, so far, this is making me super optimistic. Like, I, it, it's... The new layer looks really good and similar to Halo 1 Anniversary or similar to the old Monkey Island Special Editions Mm -hmm. from the 360, you can press a button and go back to the original graphics at the touch of of a single button. But But the new layer, it's a 3D layer on top of the original 2D layer, but it looks really good. I mean, it it's not like, it doesn't look mind blowingly 2021 like built from the ground up new but it it does it looks like it really modernizes diablo 2 very well they're keeping like all the classic sound effects like uh like you know when you slot a skull into something and yeah. uh and all that so they're they're not touching any of that stuff but they are adding a few little quality of life upgrades like you can again toggle on just like with fps boost you can toggle on the auto gold pickup so you don't have to click on every single or i guess on the on the xbox it'd be physically like moving over every single item and pile of gold you can just have have it vacuum up if you're if you're near it uh, next to it so stuff like that uh they're putting in a shared character stash so the because diablo 2 is a big problem where that didn't exist and you'd you'd have to you people would make mule characters (laughs) just to offload stuff onto yeah. so you won't have to do that anymore so this seems like it's being treated with a lot of reverence uh it's of course our friend rod ferguson uh former head of the coalition it, who moved over to blizzard and rod is mr diablo now he is the executive producer of <laughs> the entire diablo. diablo like he is the devil he is satan wow rod thank just taking that taking yeah. that joke to the natural <laughs> conclusion just gonna crash just gonna just um, yeah crash and burn on that one but um. yeah it's it seems cool like i, I watched the fan q a on day two of blizzcon line and like they are really putting the thought and effort into it you know to to parrot what you were saying um you know like all the quality of life stuff that that you had talked about but um it, it's just it's really awesome to see like 
15 years of game design, especially in the, you know, isometric uh, action RPG genre, like Diablo three, make its way back into Diablo two. And it's going to be on Battle.net now, which means, you know, it's going to be a little bit more stable and secure. I don't know. Yes. Maybe I'm dating myself here, Ryan. You you likely remember, but Diablo 2 was like infamous for duping items. and Oh, yeah. A lot of cheating. They, yeah. A lot of bad just, things happened online. That was the last Diablo that had a true like PvP element to it. Um, you know, when D3 came out, there was talks about an arena and a full PvP suite. And that just basically evaporated with the auction house. So um, I, I'm very, very curious to see how it works out but if all of the quality of life improvements or the majority of them that we've just come to internalize with diablo 3 because i have played hundreds of hours of diablo 3 yeah uh, if those make their way into d2 i think this is easily on the list for like best remake remaster of the year so we'll we'll see how it turns out it's too yeah. too soon to talk about obviously but like the potential here is really really good and I believe it's forty bucks too. They're not they're not charging full price for it, which is yeah, very it is reduced. Oh, wow. It's a welcome welcome thing. Really um, and there was there was something else I was going to say. Oh, just that it's out, so people are wondering. All right, well, when is it out? They just said later in twenty twenty one. So assume the fall, and if it's any earlier, be pleasantly surprised. They already missed the twentieth anniversary of Diablo two, which was last year. In fact, I wonder, uh, Brandon, you got to figure they were probably initially aiming for that you would guess right before the pandemic hit and there were rumors that uh, i think it was a, a jason trier story that mm -hmm. there was a lot of internal development strife and that's why vicarious was brought in but i would imagine that they were initially targeting the 20th anniversary for this last year i i mean i i can't speak i don't have enough information to speak to it but i mean they did hit blizzard's 30th anniversary and that's a pretty big milestone so that's true it's true um that's true. yeah i'm not sure cam did you have you are you a diablo guy at all any of them I, I played Diablo 3 and then Spiders came up. I'm like, oh, man. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's yeah. right. I was just like, oh, yeah. Right. But it's one, it's one of those things where I really want to see if I can, like, push through. Because, like, Diablo definitely feels like my kind of game. And I would definitely put a lot of hours into it. So, who knows? Maybe I'll uh, give, it a, give Diablo 2 a shot. Because Diablo 2 is just, like, such a notorious game that... I feel like at the very least, I want to at least give it give it a try and see, you know, because you can play with friends and be like, oh, I can have friends help me get through this section and mm -hmm. and things like that, which is uh, nice at the very least. So I, I'll probably like take a look at Diablo two when it when it comes out for sure. Well, I will happily play co op with you. I would be let's, delighted let's to to run it with you. Uh, I tend let's to play it. barbarian. I don't know which class will appeal to you the most. Okay, uh, from the. From the general standard set that they tend to have in Diablo, but I, I will say it's it's also it's cool that it's you know this is this game's never been on console before. Diablo is yeah. a PC classic, um, and the good news is there's uh, cross progression. So if you really love Diablo two, which I do, and I will probably own this on PC, Xbox Series X. And I'll probably get the Switch version as well in case I feel like playing it on the road, I mean, like on a trip. Honestly, yeah. You and so your saves will, you know, your characters will will uh, follow you on whichever platform you're going to. So that's nice. But the the bad news is, uh, it's <laughs> I guess the the PR way to spin it would be like would be to say it's pandemic friendly multiplayer in that it's online only. There's no local multiplayer with this. Uh, the original never had it, so they didn't. They didn't add it. I don't know if that's a that was a technical limitation or just a design choice or a time schedule budget choice or what. But it's um, it is up to eight 
eight players online, but it's it's just online play for that, which is unfortunate because I know Brandon, you know, I think you and I played some we played some Diablo three when that came to mm-hmm. the Xbox One. We played that in the office together right on the same TV and it was awesome. Yeah, it, it actually I was super skeptical. Um I was super skeptical because you I don't you like how does that work right like how do you have two characters on the same screen without you know leashing you guys uh and actually i think there's a reason that they didn't use local for diablo 2 uh because in diablo 2 your character is the center of the frame always no matter where you move right uh which means that you know that's a really awkward sort of experience when you have two players playing at the same time and you're used to being in the center or like that's just how the game uh, tracks your characters. So how do you do that for two people, right? Um, so I believe that's why they didn't do it. But um, yeah, uh, you know, would love to see local co-op, but uh, you know, technically, it sounds like it's not possible, or at least the fix for it isn't a good user experience. So I'm happy to have my online buddies to play with. Now, Miranda, it's you know, it's kind of adjacent to Dota Two. Is is would D- would Diablo Two <laughs> wow. be up your alley? Wow. <laughs> Just anything to get her in the door, huh? Well, you know. Speaking of Dota 2, Dota animated series. Oh, okay. That's all I have to say. Sorry. Netflix, right? Yeah. <laughs> that was the news of the week for Miranda. That's true. As it should be. I would be stoked if my favorite game got a, got a Netflix show. That'd be great. Yeah. <laughs> Big surprise. I mean, on, if you me elaborate, that, I will. <laughs> where's that Diablo series? They did it with Castlevania and it works. Well, I, I, we'll see how that Showtime Halo show turns out in the in the end, uh, if it yeah. ever if it ever comes out. Podcast Unlocked is brought to you this week by Good Chop. I have been sampling Good Chop for the past week or so, and I'll tell you, my family and I are really impressed. Just last night we had the ribeye steak. It was like I was at a prime rib steakhouse. It was awesome. Truly excellent stuff. Did not have to leave the house. We just keep everything in the freezer until the day before we're ready to eat it. We've been taking it out. We've got the, the aforementioned ribeye steak. There's some chicken breasts that we've had that have been excellent. Uh, ground beef that we've made tacos with. That's been fun. There's also thick cut bacon in there, which I have not busted open yet, but I am looking forward to doing so. Basically, you are getting high quality meats delivered to your door. Good Chop offers fully customizable boxes of high quality meat and seafood delivered on your schedule. The products are vacuum sealed and frozen at peak freshness so you can stock your freezer and cook them when you want, which is exactly what we've been doing over the past week. Choose from over 70 high quality cuts from 100% grass-fed ribeyes, USDA prime filet mignon, free range and organic chicken breasts, pork tenderloin, oh yeah, we had that too, and thick cut bacon, just to name a few, they also offer sustainable and wild-caught seafood. Uh, salmon, which we've, ha- we've had, and that's been good. Pacific cod, scallops, shrimp, and more. So, like I said, been trying a bunch of these. They have been really good. Saves the trip to the grocery store. Don't have to worry about going there, getting the meat, and getting something good. You've got good stuff coming right to your door. So, Good Chop, remember, sources its meat and seafood exclusively from American farms and fisheries, so you can support local family farms and independent ranchers right here in the U.S. And it's affordable. Good Chop's price per meal starts at just $3.74. Good Chop also prides itself on sourcing meat that comes with no antibiotics or added hormones ever. 
No artificial ingredients, only the good stuff. They offer a 100% money back guarantee if you are not satisfied. I encourage you to try it. I really do. Go to goodchop.com slash unlocked120 and use the code unlocked120 to get $120 off across your first four boxes. That's code unlocked120 at goodchop.com slash unlocked120 for $120 off goodshop.com slash unlocked120 code unlocked120. Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG 13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Uh, all right. Uh, one more BlizzCon note. The oh, Blizzard. Yeah. Blizzard Arcade Collection was one of the BlizzCon uh, BlizzCon line, which is a name I'm not signing off on. I refuse to sign off on that. BlizzCon 2021 announcements announced and released immediately. It is uh, a release, a re-release, a $20 uh, package of three of Blizzard's oldest games. In fact, it might be the three oldest Blizzard games. The Lost Vikings, Rock and Roll Racing, and Blackthorn. Now, I, I think I've only ever really played Blackthorn out of these. Uh, I don't know if anybody else pipe can pipe in if, if any of you've played the other ones, but um, Blackthorn was kind of a cool, like side shooting, sky, side scrolling shooter that was. Uh, I remember being pretty, like dark and violent for the time. Yeah, I, I, uh, I didn't play Black. The only one I've ever played of these is Lost Vikings. Okay. Um, and that might have been a remaster or something, or not a remaster, just a port to a different platform. But yeah. uh, it's it's cool. Like I think the the <laughs> silly as it is to say, it it, it kind of reminds me of like Sackboy almost, where like yeah. each of your Vikings had different things to do to help you traverse. Um, actually, kind of like Mega Man as well. But uh, I always found like the story and the development of Lost Vikings more interesting than the actual game. <laughs> but uh, I'm glad they're coming out now, uh, you know, you know, in the same vein of like backwards compat opportunity for more people to experience, you know, sort of history of video game and especially the history of Blizzard, because Blizzard doesn't really do games like these anymore. That's true. Yeah. Uh, so there that you've got the original pristine versions in there that you can jump into or the newly enhanced definitive editions. Uh, the original editions provi uh, provide the game as they were first published, but do include a few modern tweaks such as custom key mapping and the ability to rewind up to 10 seconds, which we've seen in a lot of these 8- and 16-bit era games that were uh, really difficult. For <laughs> It's crazy that uh, we played these games as kids because they're, they're they feel like they're hard now. Uh, so a lot of these have the rewind thing. And then the Lost Vikings and Blackthorn have a watch mode. This sounds cool. Watch mode allows you to watch the game being played and then take control at any point. 
you can also save progress anywhere in the original edition. So that's cool. Yeah, check those that's, out. That's tech I haven't seen before. I uh, like that. Another thing. That's uh, speaking of old stuff, let's make it more Xbox relevant, shall we? And let's talk about Stubbs the Zombie in Rebel Without a Pulse. If you're an uh, old school Xbox fan, you might remember this game. It was from Alex Seropian and Wide Load Games, and Alex was one of the co-founders of Bungie. And as such, this game used the Halo engine. It's the only game to ever do that, so we'll come back to that in a second. But uh, Stubbs, it, original Xbox release, <laughs> and it's being re-released now, and it's going to be out March 16th, so just under a month to go. It's... By the press release's own words, the same thing. Uh, and what's strange to me, I mean, it's great that this is coming back, but it's apparently not a backwards compatible game. Like, if you do happen to already own it, you have, you have to buy it again, from what I can tell. Uh, I sent a note out to PR yesterday to try and clarify that, and I'll just take a quick look here, but they had not gotten back to me as of as of show recording time, to, to try and clarify that point. Let's see here. Uh, nope, nothing in my inbox about it. So assume that you have to buy it again if you do happen to already own it. I mean, I imagine that's probably not a large number of our audience uh, at this point. I mean, I know my original Xbox game collection is, has dwindled. I don't know where half of them are anymore, <laughs> but uh, did any of you ever play this back when it was first out? No, a lot of nodding oh, heads. Yeah, oh. it's but it, I mean, by all accounts, it was a good game, not necessarily like a like a classic, like an original Xbox classic, but a good game. It had a, a comedic element to it. But I mention this not only because it is tracing back to an original Xbox game, uh, and not just because it's it might be the first instance of effectively paid backwards compatibility that we've seen on Xbox after we just got done. <laughs> we praised the backwards compatibility team. But here's this. It's not their fault. This is uh, the publisher yeah, this, Aspire. This has nothing to do with Xbox. Yeah. I mean, yeah, this is nothing. This is just a standard port. Like a publisher got the rights to it and is porting it for new platforms. Like, you know, but I don't think the, there's, I don't think there's much here. <laughs> you well, know? except for, yeah. and that's, I'm glad you mentioned though, because it's, it seemingly didn't. There's no public. Like I could understand if if somebody new had acquired this and said, oh, okay, well, I own this now. Kind of how like THQ Nordic has like gobbled up a million IPs and they mm -hmm. put out like the you know Red Faction Guerrilla Remastered Edition and all that stuff. Yeah. But this it's the same publisher. I looked it up to make sure Aspire published it when it originally came out. Oh, so they already have the license. So Interesting. it's already it's yeah. There's no. I guess they just want money for this rather than you know, going through the, working with the compatibility team to, it's not to say that they can't make money off it or shouldn't, but at they, least make this available, at, you know, make it a backward compatible game for the people that might still have the original disc. So that's kind of they, annoying. Are they doing anything original these days? Aspire? Yeah, or yeah. Is, there, is there business model, and I mean, it's a legitimate business model to take older games and port them to different things that didn't sure. support it. Yeah, it looks like they did KOTOR on phones. On mobile, yeah, I think they—that's mostly what they do, right? Is that? Yeah. I mean, granted, they—they they used to do original stuff when they first published <laughs> Stubbs the Zombie, but yeah, yeah, I think you're right. Like when I think of them now, I—I I think of them as a as a port house. Yeah, they do Civilization to mobile, Jedi Outcast, Star Wars Racer. 
yeah, this this sort of their shtick, and that's that's cool. I mean, yeah. you know, if people are employed and everyone is happy, that's great. Um, do I think we need to play Stubbs the Zombie again, the original game on uh, current <laughs> gen? I don't think so. But with no real enhancements whatsoever. But it's out there, and you know, it's a thing. If you want it, you can pay for it. I don't yeah. think it's hurting anyone, but it's 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 strange to see. Especially a game like Stubbs, right? Because I, right. I, I'll admit, I never played it, but sentiment I have from talking to you and Dan is it was very fine. <laughs> yep, that's yeah. a good way to put it. Um, but yeah, uh, coming back to the the one little sort of trivia nugget is about it being running on the Halo engine. It was the only game, the only non-Bungie, non-343 game, non-Halo game, basically, to ever run on the uh, on the Halo engine. and this re-release is also coming to PS4 and Switch. So I would imagine Bungie probably never thought back when they were making Halo originally, uh, and, and then Halo 2, and they were owned by Microsoft, that, that one day the Halo engine would be running on the PlayStation and on a Nintendo platform. So uh, it'll, it will continue to have a, a fun little trivia element to that game. Where's Destin when you need him for this next story? But um, I will look. <laughs> I will look to, to you guys on this one. Bungie has started an expansion of its studio headquarters, with a new facility being built to focus partly on creating new games that aren't Destiny. Uh, so Bungie announced this themselves. An expansion plan. They're going to increase Bungie's head Bungie's headquarter footprint from uh, eighty four thousand square feet to more than 208,000, so about two and a half times. They're oh. estimated to finish this by next fall, so it's a long construction <clears throat> project, and it is part of their, quote, commitment to the long-term development of Destiny 2. However, the studio also plans to use the new space to, quote, tell new stories in the Destiny universe and create entirely new worlds in to-be-announced IPs. Particularly, Bungie plans to, quote, bring at least one new IP to market before 2025. So they're kind of aiming for the middle of this current generation that we've just started. Back in June of 2020, job listings were found suggesting the studio's new IP will be comedic and feature whimsical characters. And as mm. reported by PC Games N at the time, Bungie filed a trademark for something called Matter back in 2018. Boy, Bungie likes their one-word titles, don't they? Marathon, <laughs> Halo, Destiny, <laughs> Matter, yeah. um, which may be related to this new IP. Uh, also, they're branching out and trying to get into the transmedia space as well. Uh, they hired a woman named Pamela Kaufman to its board of directors who previously worked on licensing and merchandising of Viacom, CBS's portfolio of brands spanning Nickelodeon, MTV, Comedy Central, BET, CBS, Showtime, and Paramount Pictures. So they might be, you know, getting out into TV, film, comic books, et cetera, et cetera. So um, new IP from Bungie. Cam, what would you like to see from Bungie? Oh, man. I mean, it's, it's easy to say like a, a Western RPG would be great. That would be really fun, um, even though we have plenty of those. <laughs> but that's always, that's always a good, safe bet. Um, Really, like I, I'm really open to anything. Uh, I'm just happy that we're seeing Bungie work on things that aren't Destiny. Like, I think Destiny is great, 
I just personally like have kind of hopped out of it since the beginning of Destiny 2. I played like I was a day one Destiny fan, played throughout the entire lifespan of Destiny, and then Destiny 2 just kind of like I don't know, I felt like a step backwards and forwards and I know that's a lot better now, but you know, there's just so many games to play and th- just so little time. So, I kind of want to jump back into Destiny 2, especially with like Vault of Glass coming back. Yeah. But regardless, I just I just want them to be able to work on uh other games because that like that are just a single player experience or like you know just isn't a games as a service uh hopefully uh so that's that's just like my personal hope is just it's something that is more like short and sweet and then they can work on another game and uh while still being able to support destiny as well miranda where do you land on this with uh with bungie's future i think Bungie does a really good with their job with their writing. And honestly, I could see Matter being some sort of standalone space adventure. Um, I think notice that they said worlds and to be announced IPs, IPs being plural. Um, I could see them doing this other group of developers being those standalone stories that are kind of like maybe these really fun, goofy space stories. And honestly, I'm always down for that. I think we get a lot of very serious um drama heavy games and you look at things like oh sorry that's being excited about me moving my hands um you know work from home guys still still happening um, <laughs> i think we have a lot of fun with things like the outer worlds where it has that like like slapstick humor sometimes mm. or you look at borderlands like you just need something that's a little goofy and i think more space comedies could be a lot of fun and i i could see them executing that really well um, so I love that. I am super excited to see that they are expanding more because I am somebody who does enjoy hopping into Destiny every now and then. Uh, I'm not a regular player. I still don't have any titles. I tried really hard one season and then I got really disheartened by something. But um, <laughs> I, I think that having those two games would be a great way to like let their developers and different teams like flex um, their skills in different areas. And I want to see what they're going to do. I'm enjoying it still. Brandon Tyrell, what do you? Mm. What would you like to see out of the next chapter of Bungie? I kind of actually m- nervous because I think Miranda might be in my brain. That's exactly what I was thinking as well. Like short uh, vignettes, seemingly space. I mean, I mean, when I think matter, I think science, technology. Um, so I, I could kind of see them going in that direction. Um, it, it is going to be nice to see that team sort of flex into something that isn't Destiny. Uh, hopefully. Uh, but the move to multimedia to me says animated for some reason. So I'm picturing kind of like trying to capture that borderlands outer worlds, but in a style that is seem, mm, I, I would go with like picture angry birds, the animated series or something like that. Uh, I'd be curious <laughs> to see if they want to go to the, the full fledged series route with the, whatever they make. But at the same time, it kind of worries me because. You know, you see so many properties that have plans for like full multimedia blitz, but it's really the audience that dictates whether or not something is in need of more stories to tell. You know, the Halo community is rabid. So there are Halo novels still to this day being released constantly. Um, Halo shorts, Halo animated series, uh, you know, there's all kinds of stuff to support that lore. But if you're planning on doing that from the the outset, it, it seems risky to me but they're no they know what they're doing i mean i think there's actually been a lot of success with that um in the anime space particularly i think there's a lot of mobile games out there that do have a Mm -hmm. very excited 
like game and anime component to it. So I, I think it's been proven in maybe different markets, but I, I think so long as they complement each other and they tell unique stories that are specific to that medium, because I think that's where you get a lot of the problems when you're trying to just make a property feel too similar, like across those two things. Like if you're trying to gamify your show, but mm-hmm. it doesn't really make sense. It's not as enjoyable. Um, that you like, you want to tell a compelling story where you're telling the story first. Right. And so I think if they can do that, which I have hope that they could, I mean, they haven't exactly just made a show before, but uh, if they did, then I think, I think I trust that they would be smart enough to figure that out. Yeah. Yeah. For- how like Miranda, you're making me think of how is there not I know they're casting the Borderlands movie right now and there's like they're getting all kinds of just <laughs> various motley crew of actors and it? director. <laughs> yeah. It's either gonna be awesome or a complete train wreck, but either way you're probably not gonna be able to take your eyes off of it. Maybe think like how is there not uh, like a, a Borderlands animated show on Netflix where it's just a, a vo- bunch of vault hunters that go on adventures every I mean, every episode. Yeah, that's- that that makes a whole lot of sense to me. So as a big Borderlands fan, I would enjoy watching a show like that. Um, yeah, that that's perfect for like a serialized Saturday right? morning cartoon. Yeah. Today we're gonna go to the Tomb of the Pharaoh. You know. Yeah. But I mean, I for me, for me with Bungie and Cam, you you kind of hit on what I what what I was thinking about, which is you know you were saying that you played a, the heck out of Destiny One, and then you kind of started on D two and and dipped out of it. And obviously that, that game kind of had some ups and downs at launch and has really kind of come a long way since. But for me, like it, and this is purely me, this isn't Bungie, but it's sort of like, I, it makes me sad within the video game context that like I used to know and follow like every little detail of Bungie's games when they made Halo. Like I loved Halo and I knew all about everything that was kind of going on. But by nature of the game as a service and and specifically destiny, like you you almost have to be like these games as a service are intentionally designed, not just by Bungie by everybody, to be jobs. Like they want you playing <laughs> their, their game all the time and never playing another game. Like just stay in our game, spend money in our game. And I get it from a business perspective, but for me. I just, I'm not wired that way. I just, I don't, I mean, I got obsessed with Halo 2 multiplayer for months, but even within that, I was still playing other games and, you know, we'd play like an hour or two a night, but, but even that, like my probably all time favorite multiplayer experience, Halo 2, even that after about a year or two, whatever, maybe probably two, but even, and after enough time, it, it, it faded away and it kind of ends. But now these things are just designed to just keep you as a hamster on the wheel endlessly. Hey, hey, <laughs> and, nice. And I I'm, play a few of those games. <laughs> well, Rage, I'm not saying Ryan. it again. I'm Rage. not saying it's a bad thing. Like if you're having oh, yeah. fun, it doesn't matter. Like that's, that's it. If you're having fun, it's great. I'm just saying for me, right. that's how I see those games is mm. just like, they're just trying to trap me there. Basically, uh, it's like in the Dark Knight Rises, which sucks by the way. When Bruce Wayne's, you know, back is broken and he's just at the bottom of that pit and he has to try and climb his way out and nobody's ever climbed out. It's just like, that's what I feel like trying to escape one of those games would feel like to, to me, not to other people, just to me. 
But I, I will say too that it is hard to get into those games sometimes if you don't have friends. I think that too, um, and that's yeah. that's honestly something that pulls me in with Destiny. Is like I have a a group of friends that I always go back and play with, and we're like, oh, new season. Do we care about it? Do we like the gear? Yeah, let's go play some Destiny. Yeah. And like that's such a big thing for me. Same thing with Dota. Would I play Dota if I didn't have friends playing it? <laughs> no. Yeah. <laughs> like I yeah. think it, it's such a. I think those long term multiplayer games really do depend for some people, at least like for myself. Um, on having those friends to go and want to return to them. And if you don't necessarily have a crew that's ready to go to it, then it's a little bit harder to be excited about it, I think. And that is a shame because Destiny still has that great bungee first-person shooter mechanics. Oh, yeah. It feels so good. Yeah. Um, and to not be able to play that, I think, is a shame for other people, maybe. I'm sorry. Yeah, no, and, and again, it's purely a me problem. Like, I, I played through the campaign of Destiny 1. Uh, I forget I was like level 18 or something when I finished the campaign. And then and then I for me it was I, and I enjoyed it. You know, it wasn't the best campaign Bungie had ever done and the 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 issues with it have been well documented over the years. But then I I knew I could see right in front of me like oh well there's this raid that actually I got to play a snippet of when we we did an IGN first forever ago before destiny one came out it was actually the second ign first we ever did um and i got to and i oh, yeah. was up up at bungie and they were like hey this isn't this wouldn't be for coverage we can't have you like write about this yet or or but do you want to do you want to play some of this raid and so it was me and a, a few of the the bungie people uh and i played the first like third of that initial raid uh, and it was like Wow, I really see the fun in this. This is a really, really cool thing, and it's it's unique and it's different. But when I finished the campaign, when the game came out, and I was level eighteen and needed to get to like twenty six or something to be able to be raid ready, I just didn't want to go through the. I didn't want to be on the hamster wheel. So again, some people get a thrill out of that. Like, yes, I'm going to do this. I'm going to get you know better gear and all this. That just wasn't for me, and it, it kind of never was and still isn't. So I guess this is a very long-winded way of saying, I hope that Matter or whatever Bungie's other new IP or IPs are, are something different. I mean, maybe it'll still be something that's not appealing to me in the end, and I get that Bungie has to evolve. They can't just be making first-person shooters that are the same thing until the end of time, or else who would want to work at Bungie? And, you know, I, I get it from a creative perspective, but I hope, uh, I'm, I just personally hope that their, their next IPs are something different and not just another sort of destiny, the destiny template, but with in another universe. And that's enough for me. I think <laughs> everyone's already unsubscribed. They're already gone. Unlocked episode 483, the one where Ryan yells at games as services. Oh, I, no, I was just, I totally, as my old, you know, I was just, I'm old man yelling at the I cloud for sure. Literally um, the cloud. Yeah. Yeah, oh, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Old man yells at the cloud. Uh, Xbox Live cloud, Destiny. <laughs> no, I, no. I, I hear you. I, I, I think, I think the pessimistic view is to look at it like they want to keep your butts in seats, right? And keep yeah. you from playing other games. And there is the concern of that drip feed hamster on a wheel, gradual progress. But I, I think the more like the more positive view is that they create something that they're passionate about. Absolutely. And, you know, like everyone said, Bungie's Bungie's FPS chops are just like top tier, right? Playing Destiny feels buttery smooth. Yes. Buttery smooth. 
Um, so I think they create something they're passionate about that their fans really love to play. And then their idea is, okay, how do we keep giving them more content so they can keep playing? Um, is I think it a positive way to look at that. And I, to be honest, like the truth is somewhere in the middle for sure. Um, but you know, I would love to see Bungie create another like campaign focused thing. But if they figured out a way to do that and support their studio with like content drops, I'm the same with you. I could do it for maybe a month or two. I got back into WoW during quarantine and then yeah. quickly stopped playing WoW because I'm at a point where you were for the raid where it's like, okay, I can log in once a week, get everything done, and I don't have to sit here and kill boars for whatever anymore. So <laughs> I, I'm with you on, on, on that regard. There's only so much that I can keep doing to get ready for the next thing. But I do, I do like the way that they've found to, you know, continue to share their story. And if Destin were here, he'd probably call me an idiot. But <laughs> I do like the way that they can continue to tell their stories through like gameplay and mechanics, uh, in addition to you know lore lore drops through new content patches, without having to release a Destiny three every year or a Destiny four or a Destiny five. You know. Yeah, and. So, Oh, go it's ahead. just a bit it, it, it's a new business model and i think you know we've we've had it for 10 years and people are still figuring out how to make the most of it um but i think destiny i i personally think destiny is probably one of the better examples oh there's no doubt yeah there's no doubt about that and i know you know and like i'm 40 at this point and i know when i was in my teens and early 20s I had a lot more time like i probably would have mm -hmm. welcomed something like a destiny uh when i was when i was closer to that age and i i probably would have like had the time and wanted to put in the time and and you know i'm just a little you know my life's a bit different now and totally. and that's not to say that there aren't 20 year olds that don't want to get on the hamster wheel and do destiny and, and that there aren't 40 year olds that that uh don't because there there's plenty of each that do and uh but yeah it's it's just sort of it's interesting to see these new genres evolve you know, and see kind of, but there, there is, there is definitely, and it's not just games as a service. It's not just destiny at all. There more and more games. They just publishers want to keep you. They just want to keep you playing their game. It's like, it's like every other game. It's not just that they're the other games in their genre are the competition. It's like, they see every, every game. other game yeah. as the competition. And that oh, just, I know, I know I'm kind of reaching here and going off on a little bit of a tangent, but I don't like that. Uh, I just kind of like, I mean, I don't know. I, I like my games like I like good books where they're, they're more or less solitary experiences that I sure. can kind of get lost in, but that they have an end. And then I move on to another one because there's 7,000 other great ones. But so I hope matter is... Uh, Maybe will cater to me, <laughs> although I think the odds are are pretty low considering that Bungie is built. Their there's talent, their infrastructure, they are built to make games like this. But either way, it, at least it'll be a fresh opportunity to uh, to uh, see something new. But I'll be looking forward to that. Cam, am I? Uh, are, do I sound like an old man right now? As speaking as a as a young guy yourself, just smile and nod. <laughs> no, not 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 really. Again, like I'm kind of the same way. Uh, I like there's games. There's some like I, I really want to catch up in like Final Fantasy 14. You know, and with the new expansion coming out, but it's just like I don't have the time because there's all these other games I want to play, and that are like sing. You know, they're kind of like one and done experiences. So like, but and there's so many games nowadays 
even games that are kind of like that where they try and find ways to like implement uh microtransactions like this content to like keep you playing like like assassin's creed valhalla like you know for example um so i i get it like i get where you're coming from i don't think i don't think you're sounding like an old person to me um it's just you know that's just your preference of yeah. what you want to spend your time playing games and that's perfectly fine there are people that play league of legends and that's all they play and it's just like i don't get you but go off like have fun as long as you're enjoying yourself so i think you're fine ryan i think you're fine. thank you miranda you want to call me an old man before we move on to the next uh topic sure you old man <laughs> <laughs> i'll do i'll do it i had it coming <laughs> no no it's totally understandable <sighs> yeah this is a topic we could really go into forever but <laughs> yeah there's, there's probably a whole show in this but um and it'd be fun to even talk to somebody at Bungie sometime about it too and kind of get their how they try to you know weigh that balance which which can't be easy from a game designer's perspective either all right well let's talk about uh, we've got a couple more topics plenty of time here games with gold for march miranda what have we got coming up we have warface breakout uh, that'll be available march 1st to march 31st then we have vicious attack llama apocalypse that will be March 16th to <laughs> April 15th, my birthday and tax day. Feel free to do your taxes. Uh, the Metal Slug 3, which is going to be available from March 1st to March 15th. And then Port Royale 3, which will be available March 16th to the 31st. Warface Breakout just sounds like a skin problem, doesn't it? Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> it's... You can't put face and then breakout right next to that. <laughs> it's just not a good, that doesn't conjure, that doesn't make me want to play that video game. It makes me want to just look in the mirror and see what's wrong. See what's <laughs> going on. Warface breakout, man. That's One uh... lone dermatologist alone <laughs> in the apocalypse. Oh no. <laughs> <laughs> I'm now designing that game in my head as you're, right. uh, I'm, I'm as you're talking. I'm waiting big VO drop here. I yeah, feel like you're getting uh, ready. It was after the apocalypse. <laughs> they, were, they were all dead except for one dermatologist. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Warface breakout, y'all. Vicious, to... uh, Vicious Attack Llama Apocalypse sounds like just... Just what kind of fresh hell is that? Actually, I think I saw a picture of this on Twitter. It was a mech surrounded by like llamas everywhere, nice. and it was gory and bloody and gun, gunny and shooty. <laughs> so, see, yeah, at least that title—the title alone—tells you right. it's self-aware, right? It knows. Yeah. Whereas Warface Breakouts, like, I'm very serious and I'm taking myself very seriously, even though I'm sound like an acne problem <laughs> warfighter <laughs> you sounded i love how you sounded like um what's his face from dodgeball ben stiller's character your voice was just one for one of that <laughs> nobody makes me bleed my own blood <laughs> oh man now you're making me want to go back and watch that movie it looks like it's a twin twin stick shooter excellent as it yeah. should be that yeah, sounds, yeah, yeah. It sounds a like mech. a twin stick shooter. Yep. Yeah, it's a twin stick shooter. You're in a mech. It looks co-op because there are two different color mechs. And there's just llamas everywhere in the what appears to be Detroit, I think, before or I after do the like apocalypse. Llamas, but I don't like cutting llamas with machine guns. I think these are bad llamas though. Yeah. 
But I still feel bad for him. What if it's just Llama's time to inherit the Earth? You know? I don't know. There's there's some serious Llama drama in this game. Clearly. You expect us to just lay down? Let him take over? No. You have to fight. It's a losing cause. This is a really weird line of thought, but did you guys see Napoleon Dynamite? Yeah, many years ago. Yeah, you know when like when Tina's supposed to eat the food, Napoleon's just like yelling at her to eat it. It's like these are the descendants of Tina, and she felt slighted that day. Yeah, and then from then on, yeah, it's uh, vicious attack llama apocalypse. Just sounds like somebody had a weird like fever dream and then woke up and was like, "This is going to be a great video game." Yeah, that's that's great. All more power to you. Yeah, I feel like I, creativity. I feel like it was like a game jam that, you know, they had the bones of a co-op shooter and they're like, what is the theme? What is the theme? And then someone happened to be playing Goat Simulator or something like that. And they're like, <laughs> okay, all right, irreverency. Let's do it. <laughs> you never know. There's probably yeah. a good story behind that game. Uh, all right. I think we've got time for maybe one more news story this week. Yeah, we've still got some time left. EA has, uh, I know people love to hear when EA acquires things because they like to dig up the meme of the pile of the pile of corpses with uh, developer names superimposed over them. EA has formally completed its $1.2 billion acquisition of Codemasters and has confirmed to IGN that it will be treating the company's studios as an independent group making their own games. EA did, however, signal an interest in perhaps bringing the uh, the Formula One license back under its own EA sports brand. So not unlike what Microsoft has talked about with keeping Bethesda as its own entity, uh, EA is going to do that with Codemasters. In a press release, EA explained that Codemasters franchises such as Formula One, Dirt, and Project Cars will sit alongside EA's existing racing games. Speaking to IGN, EA Executive Vice President of Strategic Growth, there's a that's quite a title, Matt Bilby uh, explained that Codemaster Studios, including Slightly Mad, which it purchased in 2019, that's who does Project Cars, would remain somewhat autonomous after the purchase. Quote, we will be treating the Codemaster Studios as an independent group for the foreseeable future, giving them all the support they need to deliver their much-loved games and exploring all opportunities for growth as we go. We're incredibly excited about what the future holds for them. And while they will remain independent, we will be there to pour fuel on their growth capabilities. That's no metaphor. Okay. <laughs> All right. Uh, through the power of EA's distribution. Just uh, picturing Rita from Power Rangers. Make my monster grow. <laughs> uh, I think it's been a, it's been a long week. I know uh, Luke Riley is IGN's resident racing game aficionado. Mm. Uh, Cam, any any racing game love from you? Because I think you'd be the only other one on the panel. Um, from Codemaster specifically, uh, no. But I've heard very good things about the F1 series, uh, and I know that there there is like that dedicated fan base for for Dirt. Um, so it's it's cool that like this is like kind of seemingly. I don't want to say it's like a one-for-one one comparison to, to the Bethesda acquisition uh, that Microsoft got, but like they're kind of like, hey, do your thing, and we're just kind of a bank for you, you know, just like <laughs> kind of like an endless supply of money, or you know, uh, uh, so that's that's great for that for that developer because you know that is kind of like a void that EA 
had you know had under their uh first party games of sorts um so that that that's great um but it's not split second two that's what i want i want split second two <laughs> that was a great game yeah that was, was fun times i do miss that one and and uh blur which came out at the same time yeah also yeah, good. Blur was also really cool. Yeah, both both uh, did not last, sadly. Uh, nope. but both those studios shut down, which was even worse. Yep. But uh, yeah, so you're right. I mean, it's EA. When you think of EA and racing games, it's really just Need for Speed, which used to be annual, just an annualized franchise, like absolute clockwork, and that's slowed down in recent years. But yeah, EA clearly still very much uh, a believer in racing games. And I mean, you know, obviously EA is no stranger to annualized releases. So if they you know, they see Codemasters and think, well, you know, it's not not to say that they're going to put out an F1 every year or a Dirt every year or a Project Cars every year necessarily, but they can rotate them so that there is, they can count on the revenue of a major racing game or two uh, every year on a, on a kind of a rotating basis. So um you know, that's I, I understand the acquisition from EA's perspective. The thing that I now uh, ask for, nay, demand from Electronic Arts. Y'all have so many racing games. <clears throat> you have no more excuses. You will give us a new AAA caliber burnout game. <laughs> you will. You will. They need to do it. Please do it. Please do it. <laughs> Anybody save me from this segment? You need the seductive eyebrows. Go. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's that's that was the next step, I guess. But yeah, like, come on, let's get a new, get one of these teams in all seriousness to to somebody do burnout for God's sake. Let's go. Uh, there's how, there's no more excuses. Yeah. But, how many racing series does EA have now? Like five or six. <laughs> do they still do NASCAR? No, that's uh, not them. That's no, somebody else. No. Yeah. Yeah. So, Need for yeah. Speed, Formula One, Dirt, Project Cars. There, I feel like there's another one. There's, there's, uh, there's something else. Grid. I th yeah, you're. Thank you. Grid is is uh, yeah. under the Codemasters label. <clears throat> yeah, um, a lot of racing games. I got a lot. Yeah, yeah. Honestly, I complete. I honestly completely forgot the Need for Speed. <laughs> like that's just <literally laughs> how much I like and paid attention to Need for Speed uh, in recent years. But yeah, I forgot that that was an EA game. So. Uh, so, but like, at least at the very least, they have this variety, you know, like Dirt is a very different racing game from Need mm -hmm. for Speed. F1 is very different from, you know, everything. So it's nice that they like, the very least, there's like this variety that they have under this hood when it comes to the racing titles that they have. Yes. All right. Uh, that'll wrap it up for the news, but we've still got the loot box and the unlock block trivia segment. So let's start with the former there. True from Tennessee is, uh, is our Yappa video featured guest this week. True, take it away. Hey, what is happening, Unlock Crew? True here from Tennessee. First off, I'd like to show my appreciation for all of you who keep this podcast going during a worldwide pandemic. Now, I am not a big sports fan, but with MLB The Show coming to Xbox, I'd love to give it a try if it were to come to Game Pass, even if it's a few months after release. My question is, do you think PlayStation would use this game as an opportunity to see how beneficial a game going to Game Pass could be in an effort to study a potential true to Game Pass PlayStation subscription? As always, keep it true, respectful, original, keep it true. 
All right. Could the crew hear that through uh, through vMix? The audience did. All right. You guys heard it good. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, this is uh, <laughs> I, I wish I yeah, wish it's that... go ahead. Brandon. Wouldn't it be nice? It, no, 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 it's not going <laughs> to happen. No. Uh, I mean, first of all, let me just say true. I want to show my appreciate appreciation for that awesome sweatshirt. I don't know if that's a Dark Souls Dark Sun or just an eclipse, but I need to get me one of those. I don't know where you got it. Um, secondly, this was not something that was dictated by any of the first party. This was dictated by the license holder. So the MLB actually said like, hey, we're missing a huge chunk of the audience because you know, you're only putting it out on the PlayStation. So you need to open this up or we're going to rethink our license. Right. That's why it's happening. Um, and when I first read the story, part of me was thinking like, what does that mean for other license holders? But I believe this is the only major license that's uh, being developed for a first party. Can you guys think of any others? No, N- not, NFL, not with the NCAA, major sports. I mean, not anymore. Party. No. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So no, I uh, th- I don't see this going to Xbox Game Pass. This was dictated by the MLB themselves. That and I mean, think about if they did put it on Game Pass, it that would kind of make Sony look bad in a it, way. It would for, immediately yeah. make them the least attractive platform, right? To for not show. having it, not yeah. having some you know a, a similar distribution method for for PlayStation owners who have you know, like a PlayStation plus account or something. So yeah, yeah it's <laughs> there. Sony is not going to want to do that. And uh, yeah, I mean, I'm sure MLB would probably love it if it were on game pass and give more, again, like you said, Brandon, more people access to the game, which is what they're looking for. But uh, yeah, sadly I would, I would be absolutely stunned if, if uh, MLB, the show were ever on game pass, at least unless until Sony gets their own, competing service that's kind of an apples to apples thing yeah and i think uh, true did try to say that this could potentially be um a way to test the waters for their own service which you never know i think they've already done they don't really need to test it themselves i think they can already see uh, maybe Mm. what microsoft is doing and how people like it like i don't think you even have your own internal numbers to test that and if anything i think the closest thing to their own like sort of game pass test would be the playstation plus collection which was a feature if you have PlayStation. PlayStation Plus um, at PS5, there's a exclusive upgrade that get, got you like a slew of games um, that were just for free. So it's almost similar to that in a way, but not really. Um, I think they don't need necessarily to test their games on, you know, Microsoft service. I don't think they would ever play ball that hard. Yeah, I totally <laughs> so, agree. I like the baseball you know. reference there. Well played, Miranda. I appreciate hey, that. I tried really, really hit that, that one, one out of the park. I was, I was hey. honing my grandpa there. He would be proud, I think. <laughs> yeah, I think testing the waters is just them seeing Game Pass. Like they know. Can you imagine all things being equal, understanding the market share and Sony coming off the generation that it just had? If Sony had a product equal to Game Pass, it would be the biggest thing on the planet, right? Yep. It would yeah. be huge. Uh, so yeah, I don't think they really need like a proof of concept outside of what they see Microsoft doing, but it's, yeah, I don't see it happening. Well, true. Thank you so much for, uh, sending in your Yappa video comment and I welcome and encourage and invite everybody. I need more good Yappa loot box questions for the panel. Again, just any Xbox question that you'd like to see us see the panel discuss to the way to submit that you don't need a Yappa account. You can log in through. Uh, any of a number of other 
things you probably already have one or more of either Google, Facebook, LinkedIn, or Discuss, or you could make a Yappa account and you find it. The way to do this is go to the Unlocked 483 page on IGN, just Google Unlocked, IGN Unlocked 483. Uh, scroll down to the comments and you'll see right above the comments, you'll see the Yappa, where to, how to leave a Yappa comment. So do as True did and we might feature you on an upcoming episode. All right, we've got enough time left to do the Unlock Block Trivia. We've got about uh, five minutes or so left. So Rello from Brooklyn, New York sends in, you know, at first I saw this, I was like, but this, is, this isn't a good tri qu trivia question. But then I looked at it and thought about it more. I was like, no, this is actually a really good trivia question. Rello asks, uh, which game did not run at 60 frames per second on the Xbox 360? And they're all fighting games, which you expect 60 frames per second out of even on previous generations so was uh one of these four didn't run at 60 frames on the 360 was it marvel versus capcom 3 king of fighters 13 mortal kombat 9 or tekken 6 so i think this is a this is actually a really interesting question uh miranda i'll go your way first okay uh... <laughs> Let me pull up the scoring uh... here. Just Miranda, Miranda, my, my uh, same energy. Miranda has one point. No one else is on the board yet, and we're in late February. So come on, people! It's time to get moving. It's hard. Trivia is so hard. Uh, I, I, I have. I don't know, but we're gonna guess. Um... Gosh, everyone loves Marvel versus Capcom, though. So I don't think it's that. I don't know anything about King of Fighters. I just know people love a lot of these games, and I don't know which ones have been criticized most by the fighting game community. I'm so, like, fringe. I'm like, oh, how's it going over there, guys? And then I just, good, cool, get those combos. And that's about it. So we're going to guess. <laughs> You're such a soccer mom. Anyway, I'll just go with Marvel vs. Capcom 3. Okay. I don't know what to say. I don't think it's that, but we're just going to roll with All it. All right. Uh, Cam, how about you? Uh, I'm torn. I'm torn between two because, like, because King of Fighters I know isn't huge that huge in the U.S. So, like, mm -hmm. I feel like out of these four games, it was like the least talked about uh, through my circles and through my experience. But I feel like, but it's SNK, and it's like they just make like they make fighting games. That's what they do. So, like, it, it just wouldn't. It would be bizarre to me if it wasn't 60 frames. Um, but and I'm also thinking about Mortal Kombat because I feel like that, that might be like that might have been like the most like tech heavy game at the time. So like I could see like they had to push the, the 30 FPS. Oh you Mortal Kombat while you're thinking I'm, about that trailer. Oh my god. That, that movie looks fun. Ooh. Yes. I'm going to say You're stalling Cam. I'm gonna, I'm gonna say I'm gonna say Mortal Kombat. I'm gonna say Mortal Kombat. Okay. Brandon Tyrell? I'm also gonna say Mortal Kombat for the reasons that Cam I to be to preface this, I was a, exclusively a Soul Cal boy when I was playing the 360, and I don't even remember what frame rate that was. So I have zero <laughs> chance of like guessing this based on knowledge that I know. So I'm guessing um that it's Mortal Kombat because I feel like that game was fairly recent toward the end of the 360 era. And again, I could be way off, but uh, I imagine maybe they supported last gen 
and weren't able to hit 60 fps on it because the tech but that's well, just i like guess. the i like the thinking that's gone on uh with, with the group here on this one we're wrong we're wrong but yeah. uh yeah it's this is cam, how i was you, you know gently. i was rooting for you cam to to go with king of fighters because it was king <laughs> of fighters I was hoping they were going to be the one that it wasn't it because it's the one that you would think so, it was because you didn't know it as the well. the panel is shut out. I might have to pick out a softball for next week just to get some yeah. points on the board. No. Uh, stuck with my Let's leave it this way. Let me win. <laughs> yeah, oh, please do. Is God. Halo's main character A, Master <laughs> Chef, B, <laughs> Master Ref, Mr. Mr. Chief, Mr. Chief, right. C, Doug, or D, Master Chief? Right, uh, oh Rello from Brooklyn. Well done. This was a this was a good so question. Upset. You stumped the panel. So, upset. so good work on that. And if any of you out there would like to try and keep this, I mean, now I feel like the audience is like rooting for you guys to just get shut out the whole year. I feel like we're well, gonna is get. It, is this like a hearts <laughs> situation where you just shoot the moon? I don't know. We'll find out. But uh, I invite everybody to send in your Xbox trivia questions to unlocked at ign.com please include the question the correct answer and four multiple choice answers and we'll play again next week and, and try this again so with I that so we close. are about out of time i'm ryan mccaffrey you can find me on twitter at dmc underscore ryan miranda you can find me on twitter twitch instagram at havoc Rose, and that's havoc with a k by the way tonight i'm going to try to finish psychonauts either this week or next week who can say very exciting. Excellent. Brandon? I'm Brandon Tyrell. You can find me on Twitter at Brandon Tyrell. Easy peasy. Cam, final mix. Take us home, my friend. Yeah. Yeah. You can follow me on Twitter at Cam Final Mix. I stream on Twitch, twitch.tv slash Cam Final Mix. Brilliant. Uh, for super producer John Borba, I'm Ryan McCaffrey alongside Miranda, Cam, and Brandon. This was Unlocked 483. And we'll see you guys next week. I promise there'll be less old man talk. <laughs> Doubt it. <laughs>probably heard the name Mary Queen of Scots and maybe you know the importance of her legacy to the British monarchy but how much do you know about her life and what she was really like for instance did you know that she preferred to have her eggs scrambled or that giving gifts was her love language in my podcast vulgar history we'll be talking about all that and more during an eight-part mini-series about the fascinating life of Mary Queen of Scots Vulgar History is a feminist women's history comedy podcast where we don't shy away from the messy, complicated lives of women from the olden times. Particularly with women in history, it's easier to use broad strokes to portray who they were. And it's like we forget they probably also had messy lives, complicated relationships, and maybe things weren't as black and white as they might seem in a textbook. But I'm dedicated to sharing the sides of the stories we don't always hear. And each episode is supported by rigorous historical research. Turns out there's really something about Mary Queen of Scots. So be sure to turn into my series about Mary Queen of Scots and check out the other incredible women I've talked about while you're there. You can listen and subscribe to Vulgar History wherever you get your podcasts and learn more at vulgarhistory.com.